We're looking at the marks of a marked man. If you are indeed a Christian, will your life show it? That's what we're looking at today on Truth For Today. Join us. I love the old children's hymn. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Today, we continue our look at Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18, and we're looking at those marks of a marked man. Now, a marked man being one who is marked by the Spirit of God as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. Today, we look at what it would look like if you are indeed a marked man or woman. Those marks of a marked man are focused here on Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast. Is there anything about you that bears any identity with Jesus Christ? Or is it the best kept secret in your family and your job? Who do you belong to? What's your ID badge? I doubt that uh, any of us, including this preacher, can rip off his coat and look at my back. I'm going to show you all the beatings. No, I've never been beaten for being a Christian. I have not. What have I suffered is not even worthy to be mentioned after you study the life of Paul. It is only a self-pity complex. So it's not even worthy. I remember when we had Richard Wormbrand here, who uh, heads a ministry for the persecuted church and a saved man out of Romania. We had him when we were at the gym, and when he uh, came to preach, he said, could I please sit in a chair? We had a chair out for him, and as he shared, he says, I'm not being disrespectful, but he said, when I was in prison for 15 years in Romania, they broke up my feet so bad that I can't stand. But could I tell you about the Savior and what he's doing in Romania and how I advocate for the persecuted church of God? You know, I thought of that moment. uh, Was he less because he had suffered? No, no. He he was treasured by all the saints there. Because we're asking, how could you go through such for God? We've grown up on prosperity gospel. If you serve God, you ought to get a bigger house, a bigger car, and more money because I'm an American Christian, and prosperity comes with being a Christian. We haven't read the Bible. We haven't read the New Testament. We haven't read Hebrews 11, where those Hebrews fighting to keep their faith, they had lost their property, lost their houses, seen their loved ones killed. We're in the tradition of an Isaiah, sawn in two in a log. He said, you know, don't worry. We have a more abiding city. This world is, it's not your home. This isn't where it ends. We have something there. But in a prosperity age, the very insult that God would ever ask you to suffer for the sake of his name. Who does he think he is? Well, just a minute. Last week, we talked about all the wounds he bore for us. We talked about the great love of God poured out on the cross for us. We talked about a slain Messiah for us, a slain lamb for us. 
Does not such love demand devotion of some kind that is not afraid to bear the shame of belonging to him? Even if we go outside the camp to bear his reproach like the scapegoat. Well, I'd like to give you what I think should mark you at least. Uh, That you may not have uh, physical marks in your body. But let me talk to you some, uh, about some of the divine birthmarks God gives a believer. You ought to have these birthmarks with a new birth. And these ought to be true of you. One, I would think that you're reveling and resting the fact Christ was crucified and risen for you. And you could say, he bore all my sin and I bear his righteousness. Praise God. Praise the Lamb. If you're not resting in Christ, you're not resting. You're just deceived. Resting in Christ alone. And what are the marks of anyone that ever gets tangled up with this Jesus anyway? What does he do to people? Well, he makes them do something rather crazy. You you won't believe this. They go and they get dunked in water. Isn't that stupid? They just go, rivers, ponds, baptistries, they just have people put them under. Isn't that stupid? I think it's kind of crazy. But that was the first thing he said. He said, by the way, when you become a Christian, do me a favor. Yeah, get baptized. You've got to be kidding. Come on. Make me tithe 30%. No, just go underwater. Some of you have never been baptized. You know why? You're ashamed. You don't want anyone to know you're Christian. And guess what? They don't know it. Isn't that simple? Have you been baptized since you believe? No, I'm praying about it. No, you're disobeying. You don't need to pray about a command. Now, all of you ought to be able to do that, huh? Woo! You mean that's all I got to do? That's pretty easy. That beat's getting beat up. Have you been baptized? Not, not by your parents. Not at, as an infant, but as a believer that says, I want to go public, that I own Jesus Christ as my Savior. And if it brings uh, reproach, if, if I'm ostracized, if I am shamed, if I, my peers don't want to be with me after that, that's all right. I want to go public that I know Jesus Christ. Don't take that for granted. If you've never gone public, you're being, you're either not saved or you've been frozen in fear. That's not so simple. You know what's a big breakthrough for me is I could pray over my food at high school. Now, Moses Rosen taught me I didn't have to bow my head or close my eyes. I could have made it like a breeze if I'd had most earlier. He said, who said you had to bow your head and close your eyes when you pray? I said, most, why only you come up with this stuff? Why do you say this? I've always been taught to bow your head, close your eyes, and when you wake up, there's no food on the plate because you, your friends have stolen it. They said, there's no Bible for that. Just pray. Okay, most, I learned. He just educated me. But when I was saved, we always bowed our head. And you know what? In the ninth grade, it was hard to bow my head with all the buddies who were around. What would they think I'm doing? Uh, New Age wasn't really popular then. And Eastern, they would think I'm a Christian. That was kind of hard. 
It seems so stupid, doesn't it? You're a preacher, you were afraid. Yeah, ninth grade, I was, I wanted to be cool. Cool kids didn't pray over the food. They smacked people who made fun of them. Well, I did it. Got baptized. But I think the real birthmarks, and I just summarized what John said, this major birthmark. Those who are identified with Christ practice righteousness. 1 John 2.29, he that's been born of God practices righteousness. When have you start doing the right? Uh, in this sexually overheated uh, age, it's a big issue with our youth, our singles, everybody. Can, can, can you be pure in 2007? Surely God's changed his view on hormones. Because there's not enough power in God to have self-control. That doesn't come with knowing Christ. Is it the right thing to do to wait till marriage to have sex? Is that what the Bible teaches? This is one of the quietest responses I've had. (laughs) Ask the Muslims, they say it is. Ask Judaism, they've taught it for years. But the church today, we don't know. I just read about a girl that uh, went to the pastor, said she was addicted to fornication. Her parents had her at a therapist for two years and just said she's just addicted, can't do anything with her. Pastor presented the gospel, says, did you know what? Christ can satisfy you in such a way that doing the right thing will become your first inclination. That's just a, a cultural illustration of righteousness. Some of you need to quit lying about your income tax. You ought to be right about it. You ought to quit being a thief. I've been preaching the gospel in this series, so now it's time for application. What are the birthmarks of a believer? They want to do the right as they understand it. He goes to 1 John 3, 3, 6 through 9, another birthmark. Those who have been born of God no longer practice sin, but they want to walk and pleasing to God because God's seed is in them. Uh, identifying with Christ is sin is not your way of life. It's not your habitual way of life. And John's careful to say none of us are sinless. None of us will ever get where we don't need to confess sin. He's saying that, but at the same time, it's not our dominant lifestyle. For God breaks the power of sin in our life. Is there at least three people that have experienced that? Thank you, Carolyn. Who else? Okay, there's four of you. The rest of you are still unsaved. If sin hasn't ceased to be a way of life, you're still a slave to sin. And slaves of sin have never met the one who breaks the fetters of sin and sets you free. Or does our gospel set free from sin? It sets free from sin. It doesn't produce perfect people yet. But we get on the way to heaven, and it begins to change us. And I love that little model. I'm not everything I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen? All right, I'm not what I used to be. He says in 1 John 4 that uh, when you know God, there's a mark in you. And you've heard me say many times, I'm just recapping the birthmarks of 1 John First John says there's three categories of knowing you're saved. The social one, 
the doctrinal one uh, and the moral one. The social area is how you feel about people. The doctrinal area is how you feel about Christ. Not just what you feel, how you think about Christ. And then the social one is a, a morals, social, doctrinal, or Christological. Now, he says in 1 John, for the social dynamic, watch out now. Don't lose this. One of the sure marks that you're a believer apart from wounds in your body and beatings that you've borne ever since you said you were a Christian is that you find yourself loving people. You know that he says, by this we know God loved you in that he gave his son to be a satisfactory propitiation, an atoning sacrifice to God to take care of sin. And we know that we've come to know him because we can't stand each other. Not at all. It's a birthmark. You don't work it up. It, it, you don't. Did you know, I, I'm astounded. I just read something last week. This astounds me and it bugs me, but I think God's right. Do you ever argue with God? Come on, cut it out. You're not that pious. You argue with him all the time. We're trying to tell him he doesn't know what he's doing, but God commands emotions. Listen to this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire. Now, we all run to the he will give you. We got that part down. But did you know it starts with delight yourself in the Lord? That is so much different than saying obey the Lord. Until God becomes your delight, everything will seem hard. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord. What's there to rejoice about? Well, I guess because you're in the Lord. How can you command an emotion? Because he's God and true Christianity and true birthmarks affects. Here is what we say. I made a decision for God. Yuck. Where did you ever find that in the Bible? I, I made a decision for him. What's that? I decided I like God. Well, good. I decided I may trust him. What about you saying, I'm delighting because I trust him. I'm finding my heart overflowing with joy. I can't, I I find emotions I never had. Wait, 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 no, it's just to be a decision. It's just to be cerebral. You're not to feel this stuff. No, no, no. That's biblical Christianity. You want cognitive Say, no, 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 I I delight in the Lord. Matter of fact, when I come to church, I'm like a deer that's been being chased by the hounds, and I'm so thirsty, I run to meet with God's people because I landed in this place thirsting for the living God. That's a thirst. That's an emotion. That's not a decision. That is an emotion in my being. I'm thirsty for God. That's in my being. And that describes people. Instead of this, well, we got to go to church. Well, you know he's going to harp on us on the first Sunday night of the month. That's communion. That's his little hobby horse. He's going to get us. And you don't come anyway. And the reason you don't come, you don't delight to do it. If you delighted, you'd be at the Lord's table. I got a lot of things I can harp on. But it's terrible to get people who find no pleasure in God. To even, why do they even hang out where God's supposed to show up? Love the Lord with all your heart. 
Now, is that just a decision? Or is that something that gets in you? And love your neighbor. And then Paul, of course, Jesus says, love people like I've loved. He said, a sure mark of you. And I ask you, are you uh, getting the love out? Are you loving people? In any way you know how. Even introverts can obey this, you know. You can be an introvert. But I, I love people. Why do you love people? It's one of the birthmarks. I've been marked by this God. I may eventually get beat up for him. I might be beaten for him. But that never happens. He's marked me so many ways. I'm not ashamed to be identified with him. He goes on to say, you'll say Christ is the Messiah. He says in John, you'll say Jesus is the Christ. Demons would deny that he even came in a body. And you say, you Gnostics, he came in a real body. And I believe in the Christ of Bethlehem, the Christ that walked the earth. I know that Jesus is the Messiah of God. I confess it. I cannot deny it. We used to sing an old-timey song, Everything I Know Anymore is Old. We used to sing it and loved it. They tried my Lord and Master with no one to defend. Within the halls of Pilate, he stood without a friend. The world may turn against him, I'll love him to the end. And while on earth I'm living, my Lord shall have a friend. Then the chorus would go, I'll be a friend of Jesus. My life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. I don't know if you've ever looked at the history of the song, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. That was written by an Indian prince that was given about a week to renounce his professed faith in Christ. Of course, being in India where Hinduism and other religions other than Christianity dominate, the village threatened him, his father threatened him, and they said, we will give you a week to renounce this new fangled profession of yours or else you lose your inheritance and you lose this village. You cannot stay here and you're being spared. We ought to kill you if you don't renounce it. And the Indian prince came back after a week, and instead of renouncing the faith, he'd written this little chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The stigmatized apostle would die beheaded, having spent days in a maritime prison with a running sewer through the prison cell and rats running all around, I'm amazed the greatest prophet of the Jews was beheaded at an adulterous dance before Herod, and the greatest preacher of the Gentiles was beheaded by Nero who committed suicide himself, who promised us that would incur no suffering, no 
oppressor in knowing Christ. Let me say this to you. We've never had it easier to live for God as far as persecution, and the church has never been colder and less committed. She's a lazy, lukewarm church in which it's a strain even to meet with God's people many times. Why is it? We've got so much pleasure and entertainment, TVs, money, cars, vacations, this, 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 so that God only fits into a convenient schedule. Well, I think he paid the same price for you that he paid for Paul. And from Paul's theology in life is, I'm crucified with Christ, and I'm crucified to this world. I will serve only one master, and he will mark me forever. I bear in my body the stigmata of belonging to Jesus. What identifies you with Jesus? What's going on that no one can deny? Our Father, how I thank you for the power and sufficiency of Christ, the power and sufficiency of the marvelous Word of God. I must say, Lord, Galatians has turned me inside out. I'm just sorry it took me so long to ever preach it. But I've got to apologize, Lord. There's about 40 other books I haven't yet preached. If you'll just let me live to be 100, I'll try to get to it. Uh, I guess my last book would be Psalms, 150 magnificent Psalms. Oh, as long as you lend me breath, may I delight in you. Double my thirst for you and your word. Double my, don't let me get an appetite for this world. It's passing away and all of its vanities will perish. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Let us build our lives on a solid rock, the rock of offense, the rock of stumbling that the expert stumbled over and said, this isn't good enough. And yet you said, I'm going to build a church on it. Christ, the rejected stone. Thank you that we get to know him. And if there's anyone here without the marks of Christ in their life, without the marks of the new birth, may they cash in profession. May they cash in a little church going. May they cash in a little religious feeling for the real thing so that Christ becomes all in all and becomes the delight of the heart and the soul's deepest satisfaction. I pray, do it for us all. Let us not substitute cotton candy for the real manna from heaven, the Lord himself. In his name we pray, amen. And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church, and we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. 
Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us, again, financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated, and your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard. 